Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, recorded live at River Road Studios. Today's show is brought to you by Get Healthy Now with Candace. Get healthy now, not later, not before, already now, and not tomorrow, now, right? <laughs> okay, right now. <laughs> if you'd love to do a consult and look at ways that you can get more healthy in your life, that you can improve your current feelings of wellness and, and lifestyle, give me a shout. You can look up, look me up at gethealthynow.com or gethealthynowwithcandice.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is, is changing. We have... What? Yes, I know. It's really mm-hmm. weird, but we, I've always in the past said we're a street reach and we're still doing street reach. We're doing it a different way. We have a place in Springfield and we also have a clinic that we have opened and have been doing for the last couple of months in Eugene, and that's the street reach part where we're specifically working with people that are unhoused. The clinic that we have in Springfield is a building, and we have two mm-hmm. suites of it. And one part is for hygiene supplies and food for people that are are struggling. They can just come in and get whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And then we have the other part, which is the medical part with the herbal um, part of it, and then the counseling as well as the integrated health part. And that is just because we have a place, just like anybody that's coming out of being unhoused to being housed, they find all of a sudden all of these survival skills that they needed to have time for. They don't need to have time for it anymore because, you know, they got four walls around us and that's the same thing for us. So yeah, it's been great it's to be nice. able to burst out and do a whole bunch more projects. So so how can people contribute? Well, we are a 501c3 and that is um, there's a bunch of uh, information that we have on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at occupy-medical.org. All right. And we're now, uh, our next sponsor is Mud Paw Design House. It's, uh, formerly Hunter Creation. This is the first time we're talking about it I mean, <laughs> over the air, if you will. So Mud Paw Design House is a company that Candace and I run and own, and it is graphic design and website design. If you're looking for a website that will match your your branding of your of your your printed materials, we can help you out. Or if you have uh, printed materials and need a website, we can help you out with that too. So let us know at mudpawdesignhouse.com. That's a mud paw, mud, like a dog paw. Mud That's muddy. Yeah. Design com or mudpawdesignhouse.com. That's cute. All right. And how about you, Sue? What about me? What do you what do you what do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? Well, I've got two should I just talk about the two things real quick? What, uh, yeah, sure. I'll talk about Patreon first. Um so I mentioned before about Occupy Medical and I do a lot of stuff just during the week working with people that I cannot build them. I just can't. Yeah, they don't yeah. have any money. <laughs> right. But being yeah. a community herbalist, the work uh, I've been doing this for so long. The work just has to be done. So yeah. I am asking for people to donate to my Patreon account so that I can continue working with people. And with that kind of sponsorship, that means that um, I could also continue training other folks that want to open up clinics like we have. And I've been doing that and I've just been kind of doing it for free. So we need community herbalism in this country and I am willing to be um, the voice of experience so I just need support from people. And you can go to my Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash Sue Sierra Lupe. Okay. That's really cool. Yep. That's just one of them. Do you have any, oh, do you have any more? Do you have any supporters yeah. already? So I do. I have a couple of wonderful supporters that have been brave enough to put in for um, 
one of them is a one-time supporter and then uh, um, the others are monthly supporters. Nice. Nice. Yep. So All right. Did you have something you very else? Much. Yes. So there's also uh, Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting and that's at uh, gmail.com. And that is my business that I do herbal consulting and that is for people get charged per hour for that one. So mm-hmm. that's that they get the same kind of service um, and I can come to people's houses and do things online and uh, that's available. So you've heard the genius. <laughs> now you can have that in your life too. <laughs> right. Ace High Heat Graphics, custom printed shirts and caps and everything else that you can wear. Um, they're specially they're specializing in um, event wear. So if you are a an herbal organization and you are putting on a fair or a festival and you need to have two three hundred shirts done, that Ace High Heat Graphics can help you out and save you a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know the other thing that Ace High Heat Graphics is doing is also doing branded wear for companies. So for within the company. So if you are a herbal organization and you have employees and people and volunteers that you want to have them all wearing like the same shirts or they would like to support the company by purchasing a shirt. That's another thing that ACP right. Graphics yeah, we're, does. We're, in mm-hmm. fact, we we're doing a, a, a company store for a large client right now. So their nice. employees can go there and buy um, their shirts. Um, we did a promotion for that company and all the employees liked the shirts so much that they, they wanted to buy them for workwear. Nice. Mm-hmm. So they said, can you help us with that? So we're setting them up with a with an online store. That's really cool. And yeah. with the political season brewing up, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would want their slogans written on their shirts too. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. And finally, the Herbal Nerd Society, for which we would not be able to do any of this. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> we are thankful for the Herbal Nerd Society. When I don't want to come here some days and record because I got other things to do, I just remember there's a bunch of Herbal Nerd Society members paying me to get here. I yeah. Know. <laughs> I know. And they get content every single week. We put an article together. Uh, I've been uh, banging my head against the key- keyboard this month for Spilanthes. Right. Me too. That one's a challenging one because yep. it's not as well well promoted an herb yeah even though it is a really wonderful wonderful it herb. really mm-hmm. is i mean i use Powerful it in the clinic plant. a lot and doing all this research like man i'm underutilizing this plant right yes and i'm i'm doing the research on it but it's challenging to find herbal energetics on it it's pretty oh. sparse because hmm. it's not a part of the traditional ayurvedic or tcm pantheons and it's mm-hmm. really it's Certainly was probably used by Western, traditional Western herbalists way back when, but there's not a ton on it. So Mm -hmm. I'm finding that really interesting. Uh, Well, it's a fabulous plant. I remember being in the South. Just Mm -hmm. you cannot miss it because it's a little red red dot. And it's, oh, oh, I'm in love with it. So I'm learning, I'm learning things and I love sharing the things I'm learning with other people. So above and beyond the the more advanced herbal articles for the Herb of the Month, uh, we also have access to all of the old podcasts from which we realized today we've done this for about 60 years now. So we have 180 episodes, 160 of which are in the backlog. So you have 160 episodes of podcasts that you can get a hold of if you're a practical or the Herbal Nerd Society member. And also you get an ad-free viewing experience. No mm-hmm. pop-ups, no you know right. banner ads, no... Google ads, it's just straight content. Yep. And so. the Let's Talk series where we have a, a yep. section where people yep. can listen to some of our guests give a, a 
specific information about their chosen topic. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, on with the show. When we set out into the world to seek our fortune, some of us herbalists aim solidly in the direction of gardening and growing, and some of us find medicinal plants almost by accident on the path to farming. Today we're talking with Andy Harple, owner and operator of Emerald Valley Growers, about farming, cannabis, medicinal herbs, and the synergy that happens when we are open our minds to possibility. Now here are your hosts, Candice Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candice Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real, Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Andy. Welcome. Hi. We're so happy you were able to join us today. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so you, you've been busy. I know yes. you've been busy being on vacation too, but you have a <laughs> huge, huge project that you've been working on for actually quite a while. Yes. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? Yes. We, uh, we are a recreational grower in Oregon. Um, a grower of what? Grower of cannabis, marijuana. All oh, right. Yes. It is called <laughs> marijuana. Um, and we have a 6,000 square foot facility in mm-hmm. Eugene, Oregon. Um, that that's, I run and operate. That's with, huge. Uh, it is that's huge. huge. We that's started huge. big. Oh, you started that way. So you took out you, you took out a loan. We took out loans, uh, quite a few loans. That must have been I kind imagine. of tricky. It well, yeah, it, it is tricky. It's tricky <laughs> with banking. Yeah, banking is not a fun thing in this industry. Especially, it isn't fun generally. I mean, it's a hard for anyone who wants to start in farming. It is actually really expensive and challenging. Yes. But in the cannabis industry, it's especially <laughs> challenging. It's especially challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. Banking is very difficult. But yes, and then we took a lot of our personal personal money to think, help yeah. finance this project. And what we year did, was this? This uh, started in, we acquired a building in 2015, right after uh, the law passed. And we sat on it for about eight months. Mm-hmm. Waiting for some type of regulations to see what we had to do and if we could actually use our building um, because of how some counties and uh, cities were opting out. Yeah. Um, Eugene is very open mm-hmm. to cannabis. Yeah. So it was a good gamble to sign mm-hmm. a five year lease on this building. Right. So um, let's let's back up a little bit. Did you always grow up knowing, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to farm cannabis one day. That's my dream. So no. Um, <laughs> he started in the closet. <laughs> so that was not a pipe dream. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, if we're going to have puns like that all yeah. day, I'm out. I Listeners, to. that was I Candace, not to. me. Just send the hate hey, mail her I've way. I've been listening to that terminology <laughs> since I was a kid. And okay. it wasn't until I moved to Eugene that I actually truly understood. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, moving right along. So where did you start? Um, I actually started farming when I was 13. Ripe old age of 13. Ripe old age of 13, <laughs> moved from Idaho, came to Oregon, moved into a farmhouse and worked for the farmer. Nice. Did that for five years till I graduated. Nice. Um, we raised everything from peaches, raspberries, hazelnuts was the main uh, product on that farm. Right. And, uh, no cannabis at that point. No cannabis. At least no, not that you'll admit to. Didn't know anything <laughs> about it uh, until <laughs> later years, but um, went into uh, fabrication and then eventually into construction. Nice. Um, where I was for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Traveled the United States 
Um, worked in almost every single state. Wow. Um, mill writing or building mills or buildings from the ground up. Um, eventually ended up in an office uh, managing it. Um, and then in 2015, I saw this opportunity um, that could possibly get me out of that very busy <laughs> construction life. Right. Uh, keep me from traveling as much. Keep me closer to my family. Yep. That was one of my big focuses. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, I basically got re I researched from the one place that actually had some kind of information, which was Colorado, because they were the first right. Yeah. First state to Radical. start with rec recreational mm -hmm. cannabis, which is where we were headed. Right. And we knew the market was headed that way. Yeah. So you guys, it's not like you took a 25 years off from farming entirely. You had a family farm pretty much. Yes, we always time. have. We've always grown all kinds of vegetables, raised chickens. So yeah. to some extent, this isn't a huge, it's not like a unnatural step. It's almost no, it like the it's next just, evolution. It is. It's just growing a different plant. Right. Instead of tomatoes, we're growing Canvas. All right. And there's a huge uh, synergy between growing tomatoes. If you've grown tomatoes, hothouse tomatoes, and you know how to grow hothouse cannabis. So that's a that's yeah. a pretty easy step. Yes. With the amount of attention that it needs. But focusing on one plant and one plant only, particularly when it's been changing so much, I mean, I'm sure it caused you to break out into a sweat when you saw all these people growing medicinal marijuana just take dives left and right. Yes, and they can, and you know, you, going from tomatoes to cannabis, you know, it's growing one plant, and it's not just growing. You're growing one plant, but when you get into the different strains, mm -hmm. every strain grows differently. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. strain reacts differently to all of the environments and the nutrients that you feed it. Temperature, so soil, it's like acidity. growing all the different varieties from, you know, the vegetables in a garden. Right. Um, when you're growing the different strains in a in an indoor or outdoor environment. Well, that's impressive, actually. I mean, that's that kind of cool. Why yeah. do you think that yeah. is? Um, the different genos and phenos of the plant. It, mm -hmm. I think it's because some were developed in a closet in Colorado and others were developed in under the shrubbery behind the rectory in Vermont and others were developed. <laughs> 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 oh, excuse me. Oh, I really can't. It's okay. You're sounding like me. That's my line. Well, I'm looking forward to the rest of this podcast. When you think about where many of the strains, you know, because it was for so long illegal, a lot of strains have been developed in really diverse types of climates and, you know, artificial climates and, you know, different conditions and other countries a and lot other of them countries. have been produced in other countries because that's where most of them have came from yeah other countries right. where it was legal and where it was legal yes mo monitored here yeah, yeah. right mm -hmm. so how has the the recreational versus med medical i mean how has the industry changed when we went recreational here um i think because of the money um and the taxes and the draw to this industry, um, it's it created a frenzy, yeah, um, of people moving here, um, and 
there's not as much there's not as many people looking at it as a medicinal plant. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the other green, the dollar sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's more to that plant than just the dollar sign. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have so many people from out of state that have moved here. Mm-hmm. Probably 50% of the businesses right now are from out of state. Wow. that's People don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that either, to be honest. Um, here being Lane County or here being Oregon. In Oregon, in Oregon is what I'm Arizona. saying, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I don't go anywhere without to any business without meeting somebody from a different state. Mm-hmm. All the oh. new, most of the new licenses that are coming in right now are all out of state. Hmm. Um, but there's not as much emphasis on, some places are putting emphasis on what this product will do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are just trying to get in this industry, so it's all about the money. Right. And if you're trying to get it in for the money in Oregon, then you probably need to go to a different state. Because of the yeah. way the laws are written? No, because of the flood of the product in Oregon. Much, yeah. You're not going to come to Oregon and get wealthy on cannabis. Right. But if you focus on what that'll do and try to produce a higher grade product for the consumers, um, you actually could probably survive hmm. in Oregon. Yeah. One of the things I've loved about your products is that you guys really do focus Heavily on medicinal grade. Yes. Even though you're selling it for, you know, through the rec channels. It has to be sold through rec. I mean, the medicinal has almost disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if there is even any uh, medical dispensaries. I think there's probably a couple left. Right. But if you want to get cannabis, you got to go to a rec shop. And if you want to do it legally, you have to be inside the rec system. Mm -hmm. Right. Follow all the regulations from seed to sale. Right. Yeah. Which is very yeah. complicated. It yeah. is. They <laughs> yeah. threw the, you have to have a prescription for medical cannabis in there, which was uh, at the time that they did that, most people didn't have insurance. And we didn't have that many providers. There was one place that had providers that would actually write you a prescription for it in, mm-hmm. here in, in the um, Eugene Springfield area. So that was limit, limit, limit. And I think that was one of the reasons why we saw the demise of that as well. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough, not enough providers. They knew if they started doing that, that's all they'd be doing. Yeah. And yeah. what this has done is it's given access to anybody that wants it in any form. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's good sides and bad sides to the wreck, whereas it has veered away from a lot of the medicinal purposes and the medicinal reasons why we have this plant. Whereas recreational has opened it up, like I say again, to anyone that of legal age can mm-hmm. consume it. Right. Um, for whatever reason they want to consume it for, mm-hmm. right. whether it's for an ailment or illness um, or for recreational purposes. Right. Yeah. More of the healthcare for all model. So does that, do you find that the information and education is available right now on these plants is anywhere near accurate or how do you even determine that? So there's getting to be more and more accurate information um, and based on, it depends on where the information is coming from. Um, we do an enormous amount of R&D work. What's that mean, the, R&D? So it's research and development. Oh, okay. Um, and that it costs a lot of money to do it with mm-hmm. testing and time and labor um, to research every single strain that we produce in our building. And how many strains, in, what, what's your ballpark on how many strains you guys work with? 
at any given uh, point. At any given time, it's 30. That's a lot of strains. We have yeah. probably 40 in the building, but some are just, we keep them around mm-hmm. um, to not lose that strain because right. there's good aspects of it and bad aspects of it. It all depends right. on what, unfortunately, the market wants. Yeah. Um, a lot of the pure CBD strains um, that have a lot of CBD in them are very difficult to sell in this market. Right. Um, which is, we're fortunate now that hemp's, you know, yeah, I'm seeing, and yeah. you can get the CBD again through the hemp. Yeah, we're seeing that start to change. There's a, been a, more of a mainstream push towards CBD yeah. as a, like, a good over-the-counter remedy yes. that people are looking at. Yes, and it's very easily uh, accessed mm-hmm. for all ages. Right. Um, so I've, I've been seeing a trend now, people, because they've discovered that there is CBD and THC in the roots as well as other parts of the plant that used to be just the bud. That was it. That's all That's all you want was a bud because mm-hmm. it's a sticky little resinous <laughs> wad. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, people are finding different things in different parts of the plants. Is that affecting you as well? Um, so there is, there's traces of all cannabinoids in those plants throughout. It's very small amounts and it has to be concentrated out of the roots, out of the stems, out of the leaves. Um, when it was medical, there was a lot more people trying to get that out of, mm-hmm. and there are some people looking at that now. Um, the, a lot of the cannabinoids do come from the trichomes that come out of the flower because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the flower itself is just another leaf. Right. Yeah. And it's really the majority of the cannabinoids are in the trichomes that come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's not as many people focused on getting that and extracting it because they have to extract such large volumes. Right. Yeah. But there definitely is uh, cannabinoids in the whole entire plant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like I say, it's just in very small trace amounts. Mm. Yeah, I have to admit that I've I've often thought I should grow it just one plant so that I can tincture the whole plant. And see what happens, because I have a feeling it would make a really good balanced tincture. A lot of people Mm. still do that, Mm -hmm. and they'll take um, just the leaves and the stems, and they'll make, they'll actually make RSO. They just have to concentrate an enormous amount of leaves Mm -hmm. and plant material. Yeah. Versus if they're using straight trim or buds, they're going to achieve the level of cannabinoids in their concentrate. Right. Mm -hmm. I know for people that work with animals. Uh, the the roots and stems, as you would say, that's one of the things that people are particularly particularly interested in because it doesn't have as much concentration, so it's safer right. for them. Animals yeah. love it too. Yeah. yeah. So talk about that. Yeah, I haven't seen an animal yet. Right. That won't I mean, dogs? Yeah, I have a couple of love. friends. I have a couple of friends who have animals that dogs that are anxiety prone deal with PTSD kind of things and. There and another one where he's an older dog and he's got a lot of arthritis and both of them are very happy to get their cannabis cookies. Yeah, (laughs) and I don't know if you know I don't have a dog. We just have cats and other Mm -hmm. animals around there. I've heard of lots of stories of people, Mm -hmm. even their pets, um, different types of treats that really helps them because pets have a hard time showing their pain. Yeah, especially when they're older. Yes, Um, and they see it. You can recognize it. Yeah. Um, I know people that have problems with their dogs eating their cannabis plants. Mm. <laughs> they do like it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people love to feed it to their rabbits and uh, mm-hmm. other critters on their farms. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Because yeah. they, they seem happier when they eat it. Yeah. Not that it's, it's not activated. Right. So there is a difference between activated cannabinoids and not activated. So what is the difference? How do so, you activate it? You have to decarboxylate it. Okay. Which is homogenizing it and bring it up to a certain temperature to where it becomes actually active. Okay. Um, certain cannabinoids can help you without being decarboxylated. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not as effective. THC is not, it will not affect you at all. It's not activated. You could nice. eat a flower. What about it will CBD? not do anything to you. Will CBD still help you if it's not decarboxylated? Um, I can't answer that not completely. Sure. No, yeah. because okay. I don't know enough about the CBDs. To know. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's not something that we focus on. Right. Um, in the hemp industry, they are, but I know they're decarboxylating that as well. Yeah. So I would assume and probably. say that they probably, it has to be. Probably, to be, yeah. Has to be activated. Right. Uh, Makes sense. So that would be why people like the magic butter machine, which is the, the big giant, looks like a giant pitcher, but it's really, it heats, it's made specifically for cannabis butter. For making yes, that. You got, and that's how you, you, you heat it up. Yeah. You don't want to get it too hot or it will. It'll just, it'll burn it'll right burn off. It'll burn it yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that magic number. I'm not sure where that is. If it's 140 to 160 in probably temperature. Something. Yeah, probably somewhere. But, in the, yeah. Um, the homogenization is and decarboxylating are similar. Yeah. I wonder if as the research develops, so we'll find that animals that are rudiment, they have the several different stomachs, if that affects them differently because of their different digestion. Yeah, it, it's possible. <laughs> I yeah. guess we shall see. Yes. Well, I mean, they're able to break down things that human stomachs can't, like Grass. grasses, yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, so... Be interesting. Yep. Can they break down grass and can they break down grass? Yeah. Real grass. My no, turn. Grass My or turn. weed. That's right. Weeds. <laughs> weeds. Oh, weed. yep. Wow. So do you have laboratory uh spot on at your place? On-site? We don't. We actually and when I say R and D and of course we're we re- we record and write down every single thing we do in our building from the time that we take our cuttings. Mm-hmm. Till the time that it's harvested, and once it's harvested, between weighing and through the drying process, mm-hmm. and the different types of drying processes that we've experimented with, mm-hmm. the different type of curing processes we've experimented with, with different humidities, different temperatures, um, the laboratory work happens when we're doing our testing mm-hmm. for our required state testing. Nice. Not all of it. I mean, I usually do. A couple extra R and D samples tests when for every strain when I'm working with my building just to see what we did wrong or right with three extra plants that were grown on the end of mm-hmm. a table. Right. But you have to have an independent tester at the end of the line. Yes, we have yeah. to by state regulations. We have to have yeah. everything tested for moisture content, for pesticides. Mm-hmm. We have to test the THC, mold, blah blah, and the mold test. It's really not a mold test. Oh. So that's what a lot of people don't realize is there is no mold test in Oregon anymore. They got rid of that. Oh, yes, people don't understand that. Interesting. So, Why did they get rid of that? Well, let me explain first what they did yeah. is they adopted the jerky standard. 
Oh, so oh. if it's dry enough. If it's down to a certain moisture content, okay. mold will not grow. There you Got go. it. And part of the reason why they did this is because in the Willamette Valley, Everything's Valley of Sickness, it's wet. Yeah. So it would be very difficult for the outdoor growers to pass a lot of their testing because yeah. there's mold outside. Yeah. It's when it's in the there's fall, mold everywhere. I mean, you're 70. And so it's really, it yeah. was really hard for them to pass those mold tests because yeah. you could grow mold from anything outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they adopted that test to help them. It's not that they're letting molds get by now. Right. They're just, they had to ease up on that because of the area yeah. that we're in. Yeah. And they made the, the, the final product in an environment. So it's dry so enough. It's dry so there's enough. nothing for it to. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, might, that that it might be there, but it's, it's dead yeah. now. Yeah. Huh. But we do testing on potencies, of course. Um, we'll have. 300 plants in a room and we'll have six that we're R&D from start to finish with different ways that we're growing them nice. to try to promote THC, CBD, right. CBGA, just, and see what happens. Right. Right. Um, unfortunately the game right now is how much THC can you get out of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. THCA actually. So it's Kind of like the beer thing. Yeah. How many hops can you put in this? Thing? Yeah. Well, and the, uh, the question I ask them is when you go up to a counter, do you ask for Everclear every time? Right. Because right. that's where we're at right now with right. cannabis is right. what's the strongest thing on the shelf. Right. Yeah. And that's what sells, unfortunately. Right. Wow. So we're yeah. 14 and 15% THCA was a great area for everyone. Mm -hmm. Now they want 25 and 30s. Oh, God. And I can even handle that. I don't know. How I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I don't. I'm a mess with a speck of candy. Yeah. How do you handle that? So I've got to ask you about organic because I've heard horror stories that, you know, some growers claim that it's organic, but really they're using all these chemicals and then they just flush the plants, which I assume means... So flushing plants happens no matter whether you're growing organics or with synthetics. Right. What that's doing is helping to get the nitrogen and any of those nutrients out of the plant mm -hmm. so that when it finishes, it is a smoother smoke. Okay. It it's a smoother product. It's a right. cleaner product because um, the plant will actually consume all those nutrients when it's forming the in the end, the end forming process. Right. Um, so that's something that not all growers do. Okay. Organic or. That's a lot of water. Yeah. It is a lot of water. It is a lot of water. It uses a lot more. It uses a lot of water. Mm -hmm. um, and growing, does it. Growing cannabis uses quite a bit of water, but it's not near the water that a typical farm would use. Yeah. So a standard cannabis farm, say, you know, an acre outdoor farm might use. In, in terms of outdoors, the way they, they say, mm -hmm. you know, they use one foot of water. That's okay. how much water they have to put on the entire acre. Right. Whereas an acre of alfalfa mm -hmm. uses four to five feet of water. Because right. evaporation. Evaporation, And yes. you're inside. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. So when you flush the plants, if the grower had used pesticides or herbicides or other chemicals, will flushing remove those such that they won't show up in testing? Or do it, they well, see, they can't use a certain amount of a certain type of pesticides or it'll show up 
no matter what yeah, it yeah. grows in the if, if it's as like a systemic um pesticide it'll be inside the plant right and i suppose as the plant ages and grows it can dilute that chemical right but it's still there but it's still there and because of the way they test and they, they keep getting better and better at the way they test it's going to show up even in yeah. trace amounts that's good. So, That's helpful. One of the things I've worried about in our industry is as we're moving more and more toward rec, does that mean that we're going to also see fewer and fewer really truly clean, healthy, medicinal strains available? I think that you will because they keep tightening up the regulations. Because the Department of Agriculture is involved highly with the pesticide uh, uses mm-hmm. and because of the type of testing that is done it's safer for you now than it was when it was medicinal because it wasn't until they started doing this required testing that people realized what the farmers were putting on their products Mm -hmm. right and that's why you've seen failed products in Mm -hmm. every single state that starts a recreational program they're experiencing that in california and they have Mm -hmm. been for since they started with recreational (laughs) they had tens of thousands of pounds that's been rejected because of right. failed testing. Right. And that's because of pesticides and because other similar of, similar chemicals. They never had to have it tested before. And now, they yeah. don't know if they just think they're going to get away with it. And mm-hmm. with the pesticides, they're not supposed to be spraying. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been the regulation in cannabis like there is on other farm products. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Department of Ag actually regulates a lot of Actually, it regulates all farming for what you can mm-hmm. put on for pesticides on products. Right. For food, food uh, consumption, human consumption, um, it's a little less regulation than cannabis, which is interesting. Because mm-hmm. that is interesting. You can yeah. eat a, you can go down to the, any of your fast yeah. food. There's probably a lot more garbage in the fast food <laughs> than there is in any cannabis that goes into any, on any shelf right now. Yeah. Well, I wondered. When we first moved to Oregon, there was lots of organic products available here, but you didn't see organic products from people like Kraft or General Foods. Now, Kraft and General Foods and all the big guys also have all these organic products. And at the time where that shift was made, I remember there was a big outcry, at least locally here, with people saying, oh, well, they've just loosened the organic regulations and now... You know, that's made it so that Kraft and any other of the great big ones can now just afford it. I don't know how accurate that was, but I've wondered in the cannabis industry, can you just slap the name organic on it? You so know, you can't use organic with. It's a touchy subject <laughs> because organic, you can almost use that with anything. Mm-hmm. That's why Kraft can use it. Yeah. It's a sales it's become a sales thing rather Tool. than an actual yes. discussion of Certi- what, how it was grown. Certified organic, you can't even say mm-hmm. on any products when it comes to cannabis. Because there's no certifying, certifying, there's no way to there is no certifying agency yeah. and it's federally you know, yeah. still illegal. Right. So they're the ones that have to certify it. Right. Yeah. So, so therefore right. it cannot <laughs> so be cannot certified be. organic. Um, it's touchy with calling it organic with cannabis. Right. Um, I don't know if they can actually do that on labeling still. Okay. Because of what it insinuates. <laughs> um, yes, it's it's a yeah. it's a it's going to be touchy for a long time too. 
So as a consumer, when I walk into one of the you know rec shops or, or dispensaries and I'm looking, how do I know? How do I tell which is the one that's going to actually be good and, and or good for me if I'm doing it for my arthritis or I've got a, a medical condition? Well, how do I get? How do I tell which is the safest? So like if you have an autoimmune disease and you're particularly sensitive. Yes, okay. exactly. So I would say that, or if you know, no matter what, you just want to be. healthy. I just want to be healthy. Sure. You know, you so cancer, I don't. So you can't. For whatever yeah. my medical reason is, mm-hmm. I want to have cannabis help me out. I don't want to put more chemicals and bad stuff. I don't want to have seizures because I tried this. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's, it's really hard <laughs> to walk into a shop and know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the testing that is done, um, you can assume that the majority of the stuff that's going to be on a shelf is safe. Um, anyone can get out around any type of testing if they want it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. The big companies have done it for years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I would still say that anything on the shelf is going to be safe when it comes to chemicals that are in those products um, because they don't, they don't test for, or, you know, synthetic chemicals. Right. They're testing for, it's a pesticide test, okay. which is going to be the most damaging. Yeah. You know, the, some of the synthetics out there mm-hmm. are probably damaging too, but I don't know if there's enough buildup in that plant anymore to, Harm you? I can't say that. We, though. we don't. You're know. talking yeah. parts per million. Yeah, parts yeah. per million. Yes, mm-hmm. I think it's, right. it's probably pretty low, but because that's something that's not tested, and I don't it's know if they deal. ever will, unless they get to the federal legal and they want to right. do a certified organic. Right. Um, that's when they might actually start testing for that. I'm sure they can test for that, but it's probably very expensive. Right. But so again, it, I would say that when you walk into a shop, yeah, you should feel comfortable comfortable about what's on their shelves. So to be a really well educated buyer, it sounds to me like you should pick your shop well. You know, make sure that you're looking for shops where the shop owners care about where they care you know, where where that's important. And it would probably be wise to look at the different growers because they, they tell the you farms. who the growers are. Yeah. yeah. So you can find out from the farms. Yeah. If you really want to research them, they're going to have some information online. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was going to say. You're, you guys have, you have we information. Have, we have a website, yeah, that yeah. I don't keep up as well as I should. <laughs> um, but we try to talk about what we actually do and what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Because when we got back, when we got into this, we were looking at it as a business. Right. As we started talking to more medical people, we learned what this product actually does for people. When we we learned about miracles. I mean, yeah. you know, people total remission from different types of cancers. Yeah, there's some so then amazing it was, stories. It became more passionate for me to continue growing in a struggling market. Yeah. Um I think so that's yeah. how those passions are born. Yeah. yeah. Is you go into something, you think, oh, this, that's cute. Look at that. Look at that adorable thing. I'm going to give a little try to that. And then you start jumping down that rabbit hole and and then it gets right into your heart and you can't mm-hmm. can't stop doing it. Yep. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm still doing a free clinic 
<laughs> weird, weird hobby, but yeah. yeah. And that sounds like kind of what you are doing too. Yeah, it's not free, but it's just about. <laughs> kind of seems like it. Yeah, that's okay. expensive. I mean, we yeah. haven't talked about the expense of those lab results and what that costs. And lab I know testing is not crazy expensive. I don't look at it as crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot part of people of have a line. problem with it. Um, I hear these other states are complaining and they, it's really not that much cost per pound. Yeah. You figure it out mathematically mm-hmm. yeah. and it's necessary right? Yeah. to make everybody feel safer about what they're consuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and it also keeps the industry more clean too. It does which- keep the industry. I think that's really important considering it's not like we're just talking about, you know, mint tea that Mm -hmm. is really wonderful digestive and and all of that, but, you know, isn't the primary herb you're going to look at for healing from really major issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you don't don't necessarily, you don't want arsenic in mint tea, obviously, but you're also not using it uh, a concentrated amount like you do with, uh, cannabis or or with hemp oh yeah so well and then there's the difference. extracts too that was another thing i was going to ask you about is to me as an herbalist right mm-hmm. i my thinking is if i was going in and i wanted to be considering using cannabis for something for a med- medicinal preparation i would want to buy the bud yep and then turn it into medicine myself so there's different ways to look at that so if people are using pesticides mm-hmm because of the way they test, it may not show up in the flower because it's at such minute amounts. Right. When it's concentrated, it's concentrated 50 to 100 times right. more. So suddenly so it matters. So if they used yeah. pesticides that are not supposed to be used, it'll show up in the concentrates. Okay. So, so the concentrates are tested at a higher level. And anything that's in that plant or in that, because it's in the plant too, because when they right. extract, it's not just the flower. They're extracting the leaves, stems, buds, everything. Yeah. Um, so if there's any residual pesticides in there, it's going to show up in the extract. And it does constantly. Okay. There's, there's more failed tests in, in extracts, in extracts than there is in flowers. So that does, I mean, because my initial thinking was, well, you know, the extracts, who knows what they really put in there? How much, how much cannabis is actually, is it really whole plant? How do we know? You know, whereas if I get the plant and I do it myself, then I know, but then I really have to trust my grower. I really, so really have are, to. It is all extract. It's all resin. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it whole plant extract sometimes or flower run. Right. And that's just a term because of the way the product is came in. Um, they have different processes that remove the stuff they don't want in there. Right. Um, and to keep the concentrate as high as it is, they don't add stuff to the concentrates um, except for the products they use to get it out of the plant material, the gases or fuels that are used. Right. So that's the point where you want to really know what your extract is. Probably an oil or a butter extract is going to be the least likely to have been extracted using gases and fuels, right? Um, It just depends. I mean, you can use rosin extraction as well. Rosin is probably one of the cleanest 
extractions that you can do because it uses no fuels or gases or alcohols. It doesn't use anything. It's just heat and pressure. So that when you're done, you have a decarboxylated product that you can consume. And that's pretty much um, when rosin does it come pretty much like as a brick, right? It's It's a a, rosin is typically a jelly. It just depends on where they how much they process it. And processing is anytime it's changed from one form to another. Right. It doesn't mean they're adding anything to it. It just means they're changing the form of it. Right. So typical oils. When they extract them, um, they don't sell as many oils. They used to not sell as many oils just in the pure oil form. Right. A lot of them are taking it and they process it again into shatter. Um, So it's more stable for handling and. Less messy. Less messy. It's (laughs) less less messy, basically. Yeah. 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 And it's a different type of product. Um, The other way is they take the oils and they process it and turn it into. honeycomb and different other types of things, but they're going to, you're going to get the same thing out of it. Right. No matter how they process it, they're just changing it from one form to another. So if I'm looking for the, probably the most likely, the cleanest and least likely to have pesticides, I'm probably looking at wanting to get rosin and then turning that into whatever I want to use it. It's not necessarily pesticides. You're going to have pesticides or other non, um, uh, Fuel-related extracted yeah, product. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be non-fuel-related and it'll already be concentrated. That's why I mentioned the pesticides because if I'm just buying the bud and then I'm concentrating it, I have no way to know how many pesticides may actually have made it into my final product. Whereas if I'm buying the rosin, it's already been concentrated and it's tested. Been tested at that level. And yeah. whenever you, if you concentrated it yourself, you're not going to get the same concentration yeah. as what another like a concentration like an extract lab does exactly they're they're super concentrated where you're just taking it and you're extracting it you're not actually concentrating that product so it's not going to be any less safe than if you use use that bud Uh or use that extract that came out of that bud right the testing for the raw product is at a certain level and then you have more danger when you when you concentrate or whoever concentrates it because yeah. whatever that small parts per million piece is now a higher parts per million yeah. increase no matter yeah. who touches it yes. right right so that's why I'm saying buying the rosin and then using that instead of buying the plant material and making your own concentrate would be it'd be better to buy the rosin because you're you have yes yeah, you're not you're, messing with it anymore yes yeah, tested at more levels and so what you're getting is something that wasn't using you didn't use a chemical that is unfriendly to the body (laughs) to -hmm. concentrate it and it's been tested already in its concentrated form for the pesticides and anything else so that would be probably as an herbalist the stuff that i want to buy and then i can take that and dissolve it such that it becomes a tincture or add it to an oil or put it in cookies or whatever it is i'm going to do yes that's a really really helpful to know thank you yeah. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it was yeah. a pleasure being here. Yeah. yeah. So how do people get a hold of you? You talked about your website. The, I actually have my number on my website. Um, and that's how they get a hold of us. They can find our products through our distributor. And we do typically list all the shops that um, buy our products through mm-hmm. our distributor. Um, so they can find them. Because mm-hmm. um, I do get phone calls and emails of how do we find your product? 
right? Because um, they see it through Instagram, through our website, and so what's your website? Website name? Emeraldvalleygrowers dot com. Okay. Nice. And people should know there is another business out there that's Emerald Valley something else. It's Emerald Valley Gardens, and they confuse us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we both know each other very well. And like, hey, we got people calling, you know, us about your stuff. And like, yeah, we got the same thing. So, yeah. so and, and they're just a they're just a uh, hydroponic shop. Ah, okay. nice. Yes, I, I know where they're like not West related, 11, but right? sort of. What's that? Are they the ones on? on no, they're out 11? on I five by uh, LCC. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. So there. So again, Emerald Valley, Valley Growers. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Andy, for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. And as always, put, put an, an herb on it. it. <laughs> Statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration (FDA) and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any of affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliate websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. All, always consult a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamin supplements diet or exercise program before taking any medication.